Welcome to Booked. Happy New Year to everyone. Thank you all for tuning in. On today's show, we have crime writer Angela Clark, author of the terrifying social media murders series. I'm Phoebe and I'm Angela's editor, so I've had the huge pleasure of working beside her on her books. And all I can tell listeners is that they're definitely in for a treat. Angela's first book, Follow Me, shot into the charts last year and her second novel, Watch Me, is coming out on January 12th, 2017. While book one focused on the power of Twitter, book two explores Snapchat, the photo messaging app that has taken the world by storm. Angela's book follows police duo Freddie Venton and Nazarene Cudmore, who are back in this amazing new novel. It's great to have you here, Angela. Welcome to the podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about your upcoming book, Watch Me? I can. Happy New Year, everybody, as well, who's listening to this. So, Watch Me is the second in the social media murder series. And as Phoebe very kindly pointed out, it centres on Snapchat. And Snapchat's USB, its kind of unique selling point is that USB. Now, that's completely different. <laughs> that, that, a, a USB is a stick that you stick in a, in a computer. Not okay, that. I'm focused. Obviously, I've been uh, off, off, off work for Christmas and I've eaten too many mince pies. <laughs> <laughs> Let's try that again. Snapchat's you. USB is uh, that you can send images or videos and they disappear after a set amount of time and you can't view them again so your friend gets an image they can view it for six seconds and then that's it they can't see it again so the strap line for um watch me or the kind of the idea that it's based on is that you have six seconds to read this note and 24 hours to save the girl's life so we have a kidnap plot we have a countdown we have a 24 hour ticking away it's going to be great (laughs) which is great and i think that's what's so so thrilling about the book is that it does it you know lends itself to this very much a time limit so the whole book is very fast paced because we have only got this 24 hour time period I have been getting complaints from people who've read it early because they have not gone to bed until they've finished it so <laughs> that is a problem that's a warning for I've listeners. been having screenshots sent to me of people's sleep apps monitoring when they've oh, got God. into bed they've been reading and then their heart rate's gone up and they're like okay I was reading up until 3 in the morning you see all these spikes that's me reading watch me really I'm like that's brilliant I'm really sorry for your lack of sleep but that's brilliant that's great though that's really interesting to be able to see how people how people are reacting that's also sad. very fitting for a kind of tech crime focused book very fitting maybe that's book four um so i just wanted to ask you obviously your books so far are very much focused on people's online lives rather than their you know their offline lives how did you first get the idea to to base the books around social media uh, well, the first book in the series is Follow Me, and that is themed on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I actually started writing that after um, I'd got very sick. Um, I have a degenerative connective tissue disorder that's called yeah. EDS3. And as part of that complication, part of that, I dislocated my neck, which is not recommended. I don't think anybody no, should do don't that try at home. At home. Don't, don't try <laughs> that at home. Um, but what that meant was I couldn't really walk for about um, uh, three months, and I spent most of a year in bed, in my bedroom, on my own, staring at the ceiling or staring at my phone. And social media became my life it became my my party it became my social life it became it was my only way to reach out to people it was my only way to talk to people to have a laugh you know kind of keep going and feeling like I was still living a life rather than just being on my own in my room and Twitter became a very safe space for me I had a lot of friends on there a lot of people who like books a lot of people who like writing other people who have mobility issues or, or their mobility is restricted in in one way or another so it was a real support group as I came out of that year, because I couldn't really work for about a year, mm-hmm. I started to write a couple of articles um, to kind of ease myself back in. One was for The Guardian and one was for The Vagenda, which is a feminist website. Yeah. And lo and behold, of course, because I was writing about feminism, I was trolled. Yes, they don't <laughs> like that, do they? No, they don't. No. It's funny that, isn't it? So, um, <laughs> And I got sent lots of very graphic kind of uh, uh, rape threats and lots of kind of, uh, you know, we're going to kill you and oh, your family God. and all of that kind of fun 
on things. Yeah, um, and I was like, oh my God, what's happened to my safe space? Who's turned Twitter evil and all mm. this kind of thing? But I became quite fascinated as to why people do that. So why do people kind of send these horrible messages to people that they don't know, like slagging them off? Because it's it just seems like people don't say that in real life to each other's faces. No. They don't well, behave the thing, like they've that. they've got the screen to hide behind. Exactly. They, so. And then you get that, that anonymity. So I started to do a little bit of research because it's actually, unless somebody's quite clever, it's quite easy to find people online. Right, so yeah. had a look at some of the people who were trolling me and uh, one of them was a guy who had a six-year-old daughter and he sat on the PTA of um, his daughter's school. Another one was a 19-year-old um, uh, female um, economic student at Warwick University. And um, and I was just kind of like, what's happened? You know, What's happened to these people that they're sending me? They don't know me. They don't know anybody who knows me. These abusive messages, because I have to have written an article about Lena Dunham mm, having that's something they don't agree with. Yeah, that they yeah. That, that, that they're not on board with, or or just for the fun of it, you know, yeah. kind of thing. So I started to think about the disconnect that happens between um, when you're talking to somebody online and forgetting that there is somebody on the other end of that, yeah. and thinking about how um, you could take that to the extreme. And I started to think, well, you know, how far would we actually take this if there was a a killer on Twitter and they started tweeting clues would people retweet it would they guess the answers to the clues would they interact would they follow the killer and I kind of think they would and in fact actually there have been several kind of increasingly linked real life yeah. cases that are kind of demonstrating that actually people don't behave great in these situations no they don't yeah and but- um and it kind of grew from there so I, I wrote follow me based on that on that kind of um uh, premise and it kind of grew from that and then I didn't actually set out to write crime. Uh, I gave it to my my lovely agent Diana, and she was like, um, she was like, I love it. It's great. You've written crime. I was like, really? And she was like, Have I? Have I? Yeah. <laughs> and she was like, Yeah, yeah. There's loads of dead bodies, and I was like, Oh right, okay. <laughs> the body counts, right? Yeah. It's a clue. <laughs> it's a big clue, and I was like, Oh, crime and technology. Oh, crime and social media. Oh, I quite like this, and yeah. um, and I kind of got attracted to it in that way. That's so interesting, and I think you have really tapped into something. You know, two things. You know, people love reading crime, and they love social media, or they hate it. But either way, it gets people talking, and you know, a lot of people are using it. So I think that's that's what makes your books so fascinating, especially well, in today's. I think world. like most kind of like crime thrillers are, are are often kind of quite well not most a lot are quite location based. Yeah, and they're true. kind of reflective of the community. But like the biggest community we have now is the online community. The biggest new mm. community we have. Ten years ago, there wasn't really Facebook, or then there was no, no Twitter, no. and and yet there are now kind of eighteen million Twitter users in the UK alone. I mean, that's a huge number of people. That's a huge community that have come together that perhaps would never have met before. Yeah. And that is a great backdrop, I think. It is a brilliant backdrop. Um, and you've, we've already touched on this, but, you know, obviously it has all these disadvantages in, in your books, but there are, you know, there are also huge, huge advantages to social media, which you found, you know, when you're writing and you do have an amazingly supportive network of other writers and publishing people. So, you know, there are upsides as well. But I think, oh, you know, in your books... I think it's fair to say that the downsides have some quite, you know, deadly consequences. Oh, yes, yes, so. yes. But it would be a bit boring if nobody died. Yes. So. <laughs> it wouldn't be a crime book. No, you exactly. Have to... <laughs> it's like when they did that Midsummer Murders episode online and nobody died. Nobody, <laughs> nobody was actually murdered and they got loads of complaints. <laughs> yes, so we, we need people to die. <laughs> um, so 
we talked a little bit about Twitter, but your 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 upcoming book, Watch Me, talks about uh, Snapchat, yeah. which is you know I think a newer app than Twitter, but it is, still and it's you very, know, very very popular, very popular with, and um, growing. Yeah, with with, yeah. Uh, with teenagers in particular, it's the fastest um, mm-hmm. growing social media app um, for teenagers at the moment, so it's particularly big on that. And I know a lot of um, kind of adults, and I class myself in in that group as well. And particularly well, an adult, an adult. Yeah, I'm fully grown up. I can I can own that. I'm not definitely nowhere near my teens anymore. Sadly, um, actually, I don't think I'd want to be a teenager again. Well, um, not not in not in the age of Snapchat. It no, terrifying. no. But I, I mean, I think a lot of kind of a lot of kind of adults and um, and parents in particular worry about um, an app where you can send images that disappear. Yeah. Because originally the idea I think was that you sent rude images, that yes. you sent intimate images to each other, and the fact that it's a it's a it's an app that's taken up by uh, so many young people I think is quite alarming in that sense but actually I don't think that's the way that most people actually use it it's used in a completely different way than that and so if you're a parent and you're listening to this and thinking oh my god my 13 year old's got snapchat they're sending pictures of their willy they're not it's all right don't worry they're yeah. probably sending pictures of themselves with dog ears on probably yeah. with, a, with a filter I yeah. think but this book is very much taking the idea of snapchat and really pushing it to the darker darker yeah. edge um so you you briefly mentioned it there but you do touch on quite serious topics um in in watch me and in particular the concept of re- revenge porn um and i know this is something that you've researched a lot before you mean you're always brilliant at research but you've you've learned a lot about this before you actually started writing um and why did you suddenly you, sorry not suddenly but why did you <laughs> suddenly decide well why did you want to approach approach the topic of revenge porn um and what how did you sort of take that idea forward uh, okay that's a pretty good question i can't actually remember why i first came up with it um I, I think because i i have become quite fascinated since starting the books in the way that um not just we as a society use social media and technology and the fact that it's developing so fast and often too fast for us to develop kind of social etiquette norms or indeed legal laws to to cover it um but also in the way that um criminals use yeah. Uh, use this technology because of course if we use it then so do they mm-hmm. um, and it always makes me laugh when you watch kind of um, TV shows or films or indeed read books and uh, the writer is desperate to get rid of their mobile phone as soon as possible um, if it's a crime or a mystery yeah. or things like that they're like oh no I have no signal or uh, oh, how I've, convenient yes oh I've dropped my phone and it has smashed and all of this kind of stuff and it's like that's great but like guys come on isn't it more interesting to think about how the way that technology and phones and having all of this stuff at your fingertips actually makes for a much more interesting plot because of course that's actually what's happening in real life Mm. these things are being utilized um, in an illegal way and I was thinking about that so much of um, social media kind of stuff unfortunately seems to be linked to misogyny and kind of sexism and so much of it is used in an anti- female sense yeah I think that's true and I think I'd experienced that in the trolling and I was kind of expanding out from that and thinking about other ways and kind of reading up on other ways that unfortunately that's become kind of growing trend and one of those uh, ways is revenge porn Um, about 75% of cases as far as we are aware because not all are reported either to the police or to the revenge porn helpline who are uh, set up to kind of help people uh, deal with these things are female 
victims. Mm. And before I started looking into it, I thought revenge porn was just like, you know, you'd take a naked picture, you'd send it to your boyfriend, you'd break up with your boyfriend, and then he would post it to all of your friends. So kind of abusive exes, you know, or or sometimes abusive current partners, that, that sort of thing. Somewhere, something where there's been a breakdown in trust, where there's been an exchange of a, of an intimate kind of image and then that's been kind of abused going forwards. When I started to research into it and talk to the revenge porn um, helpline and the guys who kind of work on this kind of stuff, I came to realise that actually, though that is part of uh, the problem, that is actually only one section. Yeah, of it's what, actually bigger than that. Yeah, it's much yeah. bigger. What what uh, what they're increasingly finding, and it's about kind of 50-50 on, um, on, on, on what cases they're dealing with, is it is women and often young girls um the most uh, the kind of the biggest age group they have is between 15 and 25 who are um, victims of of this particular aspect of the crime who have had images lifted hacked either from their phones their computers or the cloud and shared by people who they may not even know mm. like they may not know them in real life or maybe they've um, you know they've kind of like they went to the same school or something like that and they may not know that these images are, are out there and being circulated there are a number of online um, anonymous message boards where um, these people hang out and sort of trade these images yeah i mean and that's what you've you've focused on in watch me as well yeah. having a website where actually people people will do this and they'll comment on people they don't even know. Yes, so um, it, it's now illegal in the UK to have um, a dedicated revenge porn um, website and there were those. Those were mostly closed down because they fell under kind of um, uh, extortion um, laws. So mm. we've seen recently cases where... Um, the Facebook live camera extortion cases where people have been tricked into um, or, or you know drawn into sharing kind of strip teases with somebody on the other end of the webcam those uh, cameras have recorded what they've done and then they've those people have been been uh, blackmailed to pay money to stop those images coming out um, and there have been four um, UK uh, young men who've killed themselves in 2016 because of, of, of that particular crime so that's a way that it isn't just a female kind of no, focused it can affect both. Yeah, yeah it can affect both um if you talk to the revenge porn helpline guys a lot of the cases they deal with that are, are male are um involve gay porn yeah whether it's real images or also whether it's faked images so there's a there's a kind of a growing trend for photoshopped yeah that's images. scary isn't it because i mean yeah. it's one thing having a photo that you know you know was taken at some point but having one which has just been doctored yes absolutely about that. and of course it looks so realistic yeah. and often the images are sent out if you come for, t- uh, for example from a religious community and it's sent to your religious leaders and the kind of the key people in your community you can be uh it's communicated you can be ostracized you can lose your family you can lose your job and it's not even real but most people because most photoshop is so convincing nowadays will mm-hmm. just take it at face value and assume it is real so it's a, it's it's a it's a very you know it's a it's a particular type of harassment uh, that brings about you know embarrassment shame you know it, it's, it's revenge porn has ruined people's lives yeah i mean quite seriously ruined their yeah. lives yeah yeah and it, it is a it is a you know a very kind of um yeah it's a very sad state of affairs that we've got to this i think it's particularly interesting the the subset of the kind of 15 to 25 year olds because 
a lot of um, if you go on the message boards and and, and follow the the people and look at the people who are calling for these images. So it's often like, oh, does anybody know so and so from Year Nine in this school? Yeah. Or does anybody know so and so who works in McDonald's on Saturdays in this? You know. And you're kind of like, well, okay, so these are people that you might have encountered, you know, but you don't necessarily know their names. You don't necessarily know who they are. That you you can probably assume. Um, you know, if it's somebody within a school or asking for a pupil within a school, it, you're talking a similar age. Yeah. So you can probably assume that the people who are looking for these images are also aged 15 to yeah. 25. And then what I think we need to start doing is we start needing to talk about sex education mm-hmm. and we need to talk about ways in which we can address kind of um, online misogyny mm-hmm. and harassment and actually educate people that you can't do this. You can't, you know, you can't, you're not entitled to have naked images of somebody else you're yeah. not entitled to have access to um uh, to images that, that that aren't yours that aren't mm-hmm. that don't belong to you and that you know weren't given to you with consent and i think we yeah that's kind of a conversation that we need to have as a society definitely i, I completely agree and i think the other thing to think about is which you also touch on in watch me is is the idea of instagram and about you know not not just young girls but but some people putting up photos on instagram that they are choosing to share um, and that being another kind of, you know, a different conversation, really. But the idea of, of people sharing a lot of their their private lives um, and feeling a pressure to to post pictures on Instagram of them looking attractive or looking skinny or, you know, any of the above. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's it's really interesting, actually. Last night I was reading an article about how to be more confident. And number two on a list of tips of how to be more confident was to take a selfie. And I think that's completely backwards because yeah, I'm... I, I hate, I hate yeah, selfies. <laughs> I, I mean, if you want to take a selfie, and I take a lot of selfies, actually. Um, I, I went to a party recently and somebody was like hey it's the selfie queen you're quite good at at them though (laughs) oh I use a lot of filters but but that's the thing you know I use a lot of filters I use lighting I have a retouch app on my phone everything that I put out there is not real um it's curated in a sense it's it's you know it's made up it's it's make-believe that is not how I look like in real life I wish I did um uh, thank you (laughs) Um, uh, but I mean I spent 10 years working in the fashion industry I understand about um uh photo manipulation and the distance between reality and you know what you see in magazines and on television and films and things like that and now we've got so much kind of capability at our fingertips on our phone that we can do that you know I can make myself two dress sizes smaller Mm -hmm. and and post that within seconds you know and um and I I can push the colors I can whiten my teeth I can uh, I can make my eyes bigger I can make my boobs bigger if I want to you know all of these things really easy in a free app that is that you don't even have to pay to to download um uh, and I, aren't we in a strange world where we're kind of creating these things and I'm quite happy if I've done all of that to my, my photos I'm like yeah. oh yeah yeah I look alright because I look a bit like Barbie so that's good um, <laughs> the goal yeah but, but it's like you know what we're doing is we're kind of self-objectifying aren't we we're, we're, we're mm. kind of reducing ourselves into a picture perfect tick box idea of what we think people want us to look like so that's young slender um often white often blonde yeah um you know those are the things that 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 tend to dominate the kind of the the picture perfect ideal of what we're looking for um so i think kind of selfies and posting of images and things like that is a really interesting thing you know that um uh i'm 36 now and the generation beneath me so kind of like 25 below Mm. um are drinking a lot less 
And I think part of that reason is because they take more photos. Yeah, they do. I mean, I think the photos are, are taken and shared more. Yes. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Exactly. Before, you're, you're putting them out there. Yeah, I mean, before smartphones, it would be, you know, like a disposable camera and you take it to Boots. Yeah. Um, and they're not really being shared apart from with your family. So it is just so different. So I can understand people, you know, maybe not wanting to drink as much because... Well, A, well, it makes you, know, you they're fat, too, they're too B, busy it's bad being for your skin. Photos, you know, yeah. uh, C, C, you know, then there's always those pictures that you end up, well, I always end up with late at night where, you know, my makeup slid and my hair is stuck to my face and I'm yeah. all, like, puffy and things like it's that. It's a good and look. Then, you know, it's a good look. I've had <laughs> yeah. a great time. But, it's, <laughs> but I don't actually want the world to, I don't want to see me like mm. that. That's, you know, yeah. good. so it, it's having a huge impact, I think, on on our on kind of society, behave, the way, yeah. we, the way we, we, we do these things. But there is that disconnect between reality and what we're putting up there. And there have been a number of um, Instagram stars and YouTubers who have come out to kind of confess that the the images that are supposedly natural, you know, are, are, are you know, take hours of work, proper mm, lighting. There was that really famous... Yeah, the lady, the I can't, I can't remember either. her name, and she, she posted yeah. that, that video where she mm. was crying and saying, you know, and she did this whole series where she posted back on Instagram yeah, the original really shots, and yeah. she was like, actually, I hadn't eaten for six hours, and though this looks like I'm jogging, we only got dressed to go jogging to take the photo, and then we went back back yeah. inside and um it's you know it, we, we've got to this kind of crazy kind of like fake version of ourselves and and that can be really damaging mm. for um for our kind of uh you know your self-confidence you know how you feel about yourself it, because you nobody can measure up to a barbie to, picture yeah, yeah. you know no. it's impossible to try to yeah. but it's, it's interesting how how easy it is to fool people and yeah. and, and you know in your books the well the police what freddie and naz are trying to do is kind of get through all that as well so they're having to use social media and kind of decode it in a way to find the actual answers um i think is, people can very be difficult you you have to be very careful as well as to how much you reveal about yourself when you don't realize you're revealing things yeah so a number of people um that i know use these apps that map where you're jogging each day yeah and then post their stats online because they want to show you know that they get it quicker or whatever yeah. or things like that i do have one but i never share it because it's always yeah. embarrassingly uh, small <laughs> small amount of running i don't even have one so <laughs> but um, i mean it's great to do exercise it's great to be part of the community it's great to um, you know encourage each other and to do all of those things but if you are posting a picture of the route that you are taking and you are taking the same route every day at the same time then you are telling the entire world where you're going to be and then you have to start thinking about well I'm putting that on my Facebook account how how recently did I update my security settings because they change it virtually every week if somebody googled me could they see that you know, somebody that I didn't want to see, that somebody who wanted to cause me harm. And I, you know, again, I, I don't want to frighten people. And I don't want to stop people from either taking selfies or, or like, you know, having a celebration of, of their own sexuality or their own beautifulness or, or running or any of these things. All of those things are fabulous. But sometimes you just need to be a tiny bit careful about what you're telling people that you perhaps don't mean to tell yeah, them. Yeah, it's just about being aware, I think, yeah. as well always remember if you've got something that's free then you are the product yeah that's interesting so if you if you have you know a twitter account which is free if you have a facebook account which is free which if you have an instagram account which is free if you have a snapchat account which is free then you are the commodity that company is using you and your information and your data to make money quite scary (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, but no, I think it's all really fascinating. Um, so just to to move back towards the book a little bit, in Watch Me we have Freddie and Nazarene who are the protagonists from book one, Follow Me. Yeah. Um, I think they're both great. They So they're friends, aren't they, from school who, who now work together, as it were, in the police force. Um, Which I think would be a nightmare. To work with a friend. Yeah, like somebody I was at school with. From, yeah. you know, Imagine from, someone resurfacing. Oh no, it'd be <laughs> awful. It'd be really awful. And to be honest, it, it kind of is in book one for them. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't go that well. Actually, that is why. Yeah, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't go well, does it? <laughs> no, it, it, it's not necessarily a good recommendation, but it makes a great story. It does make a good story. And I think it's so nice having, so we have chapters from each of their their perspectives. Um, and, you know, it, it's very it's very readable. Um, and I think a lot of readers have a favourite. I, I think my favourite is probably Naz. You're team Naz, I, I think I'm team Naz, yes. Um, well, I like reading them both, but I think I probably identify more with Naz and you know, I, I prefer reading her. Um, so I just wanted to ask you how you came up with them because they're, they're a great duo. Um, they're very different, but you can tell they've got that history and that friendship behind them. Um, so, you know, how, how did they come about? Do you base them on anyone? Do you well, conjure them up? They're twen- uh, are they 24 in, in Watch Me? I'm trying to think. Yeah, they're 24. Yeah, they're 24. They're 24 in, in Watch Me. And I um, am quite fascinated by uh, female relationships and friend relationships. Mm. And in particular, I think your 20s are a really key point for friendship groups because they're experiencing new pressures and tensions from the outside that they didn't, perhaps either when you were at university or still at school. Mm. Um, and I think being... Being a 20-something, being a millennial nowadays is actually quite hard. You know, there are no jobs, there's no money, rent is extortionate, you're never going to own your own house, you're still paying off um, tuition fees. Yeah, happy um, New Year, guys. Uh, yeah, happy New Year. <laughs> it's going to be great. <laughs> Let's all leave the country. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think that, that times now are really kind of tough. And then uh, for, for kind of 20-somethings out there are millennials. And then on the flip side of that, what you get is you get all of the baby boomers and kind of people my age and above saying things like, like oh god yeah but I never had an iPhone when I was you know 18 I never had uh, a credit card when I was you know and all this kind of stuff and it's like oh that's great you know that's really brilliant you know I'm so pleased that we have Apple but like no opportunity to ever own our own home <laughs> I mean it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, like yeah, it's a strange contrast it's a completely it? like 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 crazy um contrast and uh, you know and then you you know that you have the whole kind of like oh it's so easy you have instant gratification generation you want everything now it's like yeah that's because you guys have ruined the environment and the earth is about to die so we've only got now um sorry <laughs> i'm having a little no, moan now but i i think that i think that this generation like the 20 somethings are really actually hard done by in popular culture in that regard that they are kind of often like betrayed as kind of like um selfish or vapid or or, or, or kind of like spoilt or, or things like that and mm. actually that doesn't match my experience of um my friends who are who are that age Mm. I think you know I find them to be very driven I find them to be very um, articulate I find them to be very well read uh, and well aware you know we're now in a um, uh, post-truth you know world and part of that is the internet and if you've grown up with the internet then you've always had masses of information at your fingertips at all times and you're given opinion pieces you're given think pieces all of of this stuff you're much more kind of well-educated on perhaps 
other people's lives than you would have been, um, say, kind of 15, 20 years ago. Um, And if you're talking about um, people who live in London in particular or big uh, kind of urban built up up centres, it can be extremely hard. Freddie, in book one, she's living in um, a shared flat. It's a two bed flat. There are three of them living in it and she's sleeping on the sofa. In Watch Me, she actually is having to be back out with her parents in suburbia Mm -hmm. and not live in London because she can't kind of afford to be in London so she's wanting to move back into London mm-hmm. and it's that kind of you know always being one step away from where you actually want, you want to, to be, be you yeah. know kind of thing and I talk to friends who are in their 60s and they talk about bed sits in um like Islington and how they they lived there you know for the the 10-15 years after after university and now you wouldn't get anywhere close to it yeah, <laughs> you know unless you yeah. were extremely lucky yeah um and uh it, it, it's yeah it's it's just this kind of this whole kind of different world and things have changed very much and I think it's nice to look at that world and look at that that subset and look at the the kind of the the young women in that area in particular because Generally, I have male friends as well, but I have—I think I probably have more female friends, probably because I'm a writer and, and I have experience in journalism, and those areas are often dominated by uh, by women. Yeah. And I think that Naz and Freddie are like the women that I know. That you meet, yeah. yeah. That's nice. Yeah, I so, think they're such great characters. Um, and you know, Naz is quite ambitious as well, isn't she? Like within her role yes. in the police. I mean, um, Naz is much more of a goody two shoes than she Freddie. is quite a goody goody. Yeah, she is. I mean, I'm much more like Naz. But than... she does transgress a little bit, doesn't she? She does. We won't she give does. it away, but yeah. read, read the book and you'll find out. <laughs> yes, yes. Naz yeah. is a, Naz is a bit of out, out not out of character. Yeah, but, I love uh, it when she's hungover and she's yeah. like, hasn't had a hangover for ever. ages or ever. Yeah, and she's just, what is this? My head is hurting. Yeah, she's, she's completely out of her depth. Uh, yeah, Naz is that is is also that kind of like subset of the 20 somethings that don't drink probably and that you know and that don't smoke and don't do drugs and mm. you know are just but she's such of... a great contrast to freddie though and then sort of <laughs> freddie rolls up and you know that's why they work so nicely together i think freddie is just really unapologetic she is unapologetic and i, I kind of love that about her i though. do and i wish i was more like freddie like i think freddie is who i wish i i was like and mm. naz is more like me yeah maybe same actually yeah, yeah. i'm not brave enough to do some of the things no. that freddie no freddie is freddie, freddie says the things that i wish i would say in those situations situations but wouldn't mm. you know kind of thing I think she's much more um uh, kind of direct and um and outspoken and unapologetic and and yeah she's a badass and I like that <laughs> <laughs> yeah she's fab um so you you just mentioned journalism briefly and I also wanted to to ask you about about your own life you know I know that obviously you're a brilliant fiction writer for us um but that's not your not the only string to your bow so you're also um a playwright a columnist a broadcaster and you've had a fashion book out before this series um so for for people listening I think it'd be very interesting interesting for them to hear how you kind of juggle it all um because Badly. <laughs> but I mean you know how how do you carve out the time to write your novels um because I, I think it's very inspirational and I think a lot of people listening would like to know thank you how, that's very nice yeah, I wrote two two novels in um in in 2016 which was um which was a bit yeah <laughs> Um, but uh, okay, so how do I carve my time out? Um, I'm really list driven. Um, I don't like being told no, and I don't like telling myself no. Um, That's a bit like Freddie. Freddie doesn't like being told no. No, either. she doesn't. No, yeah, she's actually, not keen on that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think she gets her slightly sort of. So even though I'm a bit of a people pleaser, and I like to be kind of, um, I, I'm probably. 
I am apologetic, like like Naz is, and and, and a bit things. I, I actually am not very good at, at, at sort of authority, which kind of doesn't seem to fit with that. But mm. I, I get really kind of like if somebody tells me I can't do something, I get a bit like oh, I'm going to do it then. Yeah, I'm do it anyway. <laughs> that, that's it. Now that's decided it. You yeah. know, kind of. Thing. So when I'm editing, I just tell you the opposite of what. Yeah, what yeah, yeah. You do. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I am literally that child that you say you say yes. Uh, don't you know? Don't go to bed because that's the. Wrong, you know? And I'd be like, fine, I'm going to bed. So. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, uh, I I quite like doing lots of things. I'm not very good at saying no, having said that. Um, if somebody asks me to do something, I almost always say yes, uh, which is uh, one of those things you say in interviews, isn't it? Like job interviews, what's your weakness? And what yeah. you should say is, I'm a really terrible timekeeper. But what you say is things like, I'm a perfectionist. Yeah, it's um, like a fake weakness. It is a fake weakness, yeah. yeah fake. It is a fake weakness. But actually saying, not being able to say no isn't a fake weakness because it gets a bit kind of overwhelming. I find um, that embracing stationery is really important. Okay, good. I also love stationery. <laughs> I, I have a different... Okay, so like I have this system. This sounds really geeky. Okay, so I have um, a, a book, a notebook per project that I'm working on and a, a box file per project that I'm working on okay. and so then everything for those for that project goes in that box file and then obviously I have an equivocal on my my desktop as well and I think a lot of people are surprised especially given that I write about social media and technology to mm. find that a lot of the stuff I still use is on paper um, really pen and paper the yeah, old-fashioned I have way. a paper diary and I have a paper desk diary um, where I write my to-do list for a kind of every day okay. um, and I go through things like that um, my new year's resolution is to not work on Sundays which probably gives you an indication of, of how I manage to do all of the things um, which is that I don't have a day off don't but, have any time off yeah but if you're getting to write stories it's not really and you know and, you, and reading books is that part of your job it's not really you know that doesn't sound that bad doesn't feel does too it? bad does it no exactly no, no. exactly so um and so on top of everything else i know you're very involved in in crime writing as a community and you know there's a lot of fun crime writing festivals and you you're good friends with some of our other authors at harper collins um and do you find that helpful to to talk to the other authors about your work i mean i don't know how much i don't know judge think what you say about me behind my back but you know do you feel like you you we enjoyed... are always so rude about your <laughs> behind your so back nice. Phoebe, honestly we're Thank like you. we're like we're like, you know, oh my god, can you believe how terrible Phoebe is? I mean, oh. thanks. thanks <laughs> um, but I mean, so do you enjoy having having those other writers, you know, on? No, I hate them all. It makes me feel terrible all the time. No, does. <laughs> 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 I, I I imagine that you know it's it's if you're in a plot problem I know sometimes you can you can I mean you actually, oh no it's great Angela sent me a, a horrible email the other day which was <laughs> from what's the organisation it was about a body what happens to a body when it's oh, found uh, yeah yeah in, uh, in, in, in water submerged in water yes, yeah it was from it was a, a detailed CSI. report the yeah. CSI that's right <laughs> that was pleasant reading I wasn't very well that day either, oh no, was I? no I did I did put do not read she below this if, and then yeah. and then put lots of spaces yeah so but I was too curious so I read it reverse anyway. spoiler. Yeah, alert, yeah. you know, kind of thing. Spoiler: This is going to make you feel terrible. Yes. Um, but I mean, it's it's so good that you can you know draw on other people when you're writing. You have these resources. I'm so lucky. Um, I, yeah. like, I'm so lucky. Like crime writing, you know. As you said, I, I've I've written a memoir before of the fashion industry, and so I've I've written in other kind of genres. And crime writing in particular just seems to be so supportive. There is such a great community uh, of, of kind of writers, and and within those writers, obviously you have both active and and in the past, you know lawyers 
um, uh, police um, officers, um, CSIs, criminal analysts, anybody that you could think of. And everybody is so nice. And, you know, not only will they go to each other's events, they, you know, and buy each other's books and kind of share their reviews and feelings on their books and shout out to everybody else. They will also help you with any kind of um, uh, kind of little details that you might might mm. need kind of, uh, you know, help with, you know, any kind of research stuff, which makes it a lot easier. Um, they, they really are like like amazing and plus it's really good if you're a crime writer to be able to go to people and say so if I've got a body and it's in water you know sort of, you know all this kind of thing like oh, I sent it nice <laughs> so I always imagine what a crime writer's um you know internet search history would be oh I we mean, must be some... on watch files we're, we're certainly on watch files there was a guy wasn't there in America who was was writing a tv show and he was arrested in the middle of the night because they thought he was going to kill his wife and he didn't even have a wife oh. um because of the things that he'd been searching and writing things, really. and they were monitoring his computer as a, a as a result of it i can't think what it's called i think it might actually be called terms and conditions i think it is about oh. the terms and, con- and what we agree to yeah. i.e access to our own machines oh, interesting i yeah. might have that wrong but yeah. <laughs> But I mean, you know, that, well, that's also interesting because, you know, people can find out that's another example of someone being watched, isn't it? Yeah. And, you know, just someone's internet. Yeah, absolutely. You know. So we, we must, uh, you know, all of us must be on a watch list, I would think. Definitely. Yes. And I do know people... <laughs> One day you'll get mass arrested and they won't have any authors left. Oh, <laughs> my gosh. Can you imagine? Like, there'll be, like, all of the crime yeah. writers. That's OK, because some of them are lawyers and some, that's of, them true. Are, some of them are, uh, like, kind of ex-cops and cops. So mm, I, I reckon yeah, we'd probably some... be all right. Yeah. Uh, we could get ar- you out of Yeah, it. we can argue our case quite yeah. well. <laughs> but yeah, no, there's, um, you know, crime writers just seem to be the nicest people. I, I don't know if it's because we get rid of all of our kind of like evil thoughts on the page, you know, and everybody's then like Maybe. just really lovely in real life and yeah. just up for all a laugh. All that's left is the nice stuff. All yeah, the, all the exactly. Stuff's in the books. Which, which obviously means that you should watch the women's commercial fiction writers and the romance yes, writers. Goodness. That, that I must mean. Back. Yeah, might be after me. I think so. Yeah, God, <laughs> scary. Um, so we are almost getting out of time. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Angela. Um, we are wishing you all the luck in the world with Watch Me. It comes out on January 12th and I really encourage you all to read it because it really is fabulous and Angela is someone to watch in 2017. Thank you. And everybody else, watch your back when you're running around the park. <laughs> watch your internet Yes, stop posting, stop posting that, that stuff online. Yeah, no, but do yeah. come and find me on Twitter and on Facebook. Yes, do you want to quickly give your Twitter details? Uh, yeah, it's at the Angela Clark with an E on the end and you can usually find, and that's for both forward slash Facebook and on Twitter and on Instagram um, and uh, you can find me there and then you can uh, try and see if you can work out where I am and what I've revealed and all the things that I've uh, done that I said that you shouldn't do. (laughs) And Watch Me will be on Amazon in January and all the other big supermarket retailers. We will see you all then. Happy New Year, guys. Thanks for listening. Thank you.